Alright, notice what it says in verse 4 of Ephesians chapter 6. It says, And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And that's what I want to talk about tonight is not provoking your children to wrath. And I want to talk about what that means and kind of how we do that because it's a clear command from the Bible. It's just as clear as the command for children to obey your parents that, you know, of course, every parent loves. Amen. And it's a good commandment. But you know what? So is provoke not your children to wrath. Now, people will sometimes take that one too. And, you know, you'll have your, uh, you know, millennial types will say, well, you know, you can't spank your kids because you're going to provoke them to wrath. Well, I don't think that's what the Bible's talking about. Seeing the Bible commanded us to do that. I don't, and, you know, and as a parent, you're going to regularly make your children angry. All right. That doesn't mean, you know, hey, parents, you can't ground them because if you do that, you're going to provoke them to wrath. You know, if you don't let them eat, uh, you know, nothing but sugar all day, you're going to provoke them to wrath and you'll just spoil your kid rotten. Obviously not, that isn't the case, but what does it mean to not provoke them to wrath? All right. Well, I think it's important for us to understand that. We've got to understand what we've just been commanded to do in there. And notice how it says, you know, it says, you know, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. So it's, I think what we're seeing right here is the, that will help us understand what the Bible's talking about when it's saying provoke not your children to wrath. It's important that we understand the kind of the but or the opposite of that. The opposite of provoking them to wrath is bringing them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And that, you know, that word nurture, it means, you know, to, to feed or nourish or to educate and bring up. We're trying to teach our children. We're trying to train our children. We're trying to, you know, you know, show them how things are done. And you know, it's just like, if you uh, if you're a plumber and you've got somebody that's an apprentice, if you want this guy to succeed in being a good plumber like you are in learning from it, you know you need to educate him. Because why is it that people like myself are so frustrated when it comes to plumbing? Why do people like me when I'm plumbing get so angry? All right, my wife could probably answer this question. All right, why do I get so angry when I when I'm doing plumbing work? Exactly, I have no idea what I'm doing. And so I get frustrated and I get angry because I just, I don't, I, I know it's not supposed to leak, but how do I keep it from leaking? You know, I know this is supposed to get it somewhere. I, I, I don't know what I'm doing and I get frustrated and I just want to quit. You know, and I need someone to nurture me a little bit before I do any plumbing work. I need somebody to show me how it's done and to educate me. That word admonition, it's uh, counseling against a fault, instruction and duties, Caution, you know, direction. It's just, we're trying to show people how it's done. And as fathers, you have to do that in a way. You know, sometimes you gotta yell. Sometimes you gotta rebuke. Sometimes you gotta spank. But you know, that can't be all you do. You've gotta also give some clear instructions so the kids know how to be good. So they know, you know, what is expected of them. You know, when they get when they do certain things, it shouldn't be a surprise when they get spanked because you know you've laid out clear instructions that you know you're not supposed to do this type of thing or there's going to be punishment. All this is part of training. In Proverbs 22 6, it says, Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. And the truth is, you know, many people they often doubt that verse because they're like, I did everything right with my kids, and yet they went bad. Well, the truth is maybe you provoke them to wrath. Maybe you did not bring them up 
in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And I'm going to show you how it said a lot of times, and I've been kind of beaten on this with a lot of different areas, but this applies to parenting as much as anything else I harp on this about. When it comes to parenting, it's not about following a checklist of do this, do this, do this. And you got all your bases covered and you should be good. And it's like some parents, all they've really got in their checklist, the only thing they've learned that you're supposed to do as a parent is spanking. Alright, I got that down. It's like, and that's like all they do with their kids is just spank. You know, that's, that's the only thing they do. And it's like, I did everything right. I spanked the fire out of them all the time. But it's like, well, no, there's actually, there's actually more to it. There's some extra things that you gotta do. It's not just a checklist. Alright? And I'll say more about that in a little bit. And I wish, I wish parents could get this. I wish people would understand this and, and, and follow what I'm gonna show you on this. But, you know, sadly, our culture today, you know, it's, completely broken and it's dysfunctional when it comes to the family. Our culture has no idea what they're doing. Our, our culture does not know how to do some of the most basic things. Okay? And those of you from the older generation, you know, you're going to know this uh, you know, better than anybody. But I mean, you know, kids today, I mean, they don't know how to start a lawnmower. They don't know how to rake leaves. They don't know how to, you know, they don't know how to do some of the most just basic Things and you know, young ladies, they don't know how to do some of the most basic things. This is why I like you know the gently led sisters you know program my wife has. It people don't realize how important it is to just teach some of these real basic things. You know, she just did one the other day on potty training. People don't know what to do. Many parents that you know the families today are so small. You know, they don't, there's only when, when there's only one or two kids. These older kids. They've never seen how to raise younger kids because they didn't have younger brothers and sisters. And so they, they don't know what to do. Their parents aren't passing any instruction down to them. And I mean, many of the things that, you know, my wife has done different programs on just things about, you know, saving money on cooking, you know, cleaning tips. People don't know how to do this stuff. They don't know what they're supposed to do. They have not brought, been brought up in the nurtured admonition. And the reason there's so much conflict in families, if you've got a family, if you've got a husband and wife relationship, and you don't know how to raise kids, you don't know how to discipline. You don't know how to time, time that discipline, okay? For example, too, okay, yes, you're supposed to spank, but you know what? Timing's important on spanking, too. So you can't just spank them all day. You know, you can't, you know there's, there's a way it's got to be done. And unfortunately, because... Most people were raised in homes where they did not practice that type of thing. You know, they're saved now. They're trying to follow the Bible, but they don't—they don't know how to time these things. They, when it comes to some of the most basic things, like you know, loving your wife, they don't know how to do that. They don't—they don't know how to set an alarm clock and get up early. They don't know how to go to bed early. They don't know just some of the most basic things. You know, a lot of women—they they don't know how to fix their daughter's hair. You know, they don't know how to even keep their kids clean. And so what are they, you know, why do you see some of these little girls with such short hair all the time? It's because their mom doesn't know how to do their hair. It's because their mom doesn't know how to clean their hair. Their little girl got lice. And so, you know, what, you know, what do they do? Let's just make it easy. Let's give her a boy haircut. You know, and they, they've never been taught how to do these things. They don't know how to dress their kids. They don't know how to take care of babies. They don't know how to know when they're sick and take their temperatures. I mean, folks, there are people, there are young girls today having kids. They don't know how to do this stuff. They really don't. 
They don't know how to discipline. They don't know, you know, guys don't know how to be responsible and work a job. Their mommies are waking them up at 25 years old so they can go get their, you know, to go work at their job. We've got to be teaching these things. And our society today, because they don't know how to do these things, because parents have dropped the ball, guess who's trying to fill the void? The government's always stepping in. We've got to have more programs to do this. You know, these kids are getting out of control. They're running loose in the streets. What do we got to do? We've got to have after school programs to keep them off the streets, to keep them busy, to teach them just basic things. And it's the parents' job to be doing these things. And it's clear, it, our society, you know, there's very little good things that are being passed down to the next generation. Very little good things. And, on, and sometimes there's little exception even with God's people. And so one thing that's clear though, we are passing things down to our children, whether we know it or not. You know, and just because the, the, our kids see what we do. They see how we act. They see how we respond to things. They see how we handle difficulties or just don't handle difficulties. And most people today are just doing what they saw growing up. And somewhere along the lines, I don't know how it happened, I don't know when it was, but families just, you know, forgot how to function. They forgot how to go according to the Word of God. And we've got to try to restore some of this stuff. We've got to try to bring some of these things back. And what happens many times in you know, Christian homes or in a home especially where maybe the parents they got saved uh, you know, later after they were they did not they were not raised in a Christian home, and now they're trying to raise a Christian family. They're trying to do things according to the word of God, and I think there's some huge things that they're missing. I think I, and I, I see this a lot. You know, I, I, I hear about it a lot, you know, in the online world with things I see people doing. People that follow this movement, this preaching, and I, it, it just it frustrates me to death. And I'd like to just kind of shake some of these people sometimes and just say, you need to see what you're doing. You need to see where you're really messing up here. And I, so I want to help you with some things tonight. And, you know, Proverbs 22 6, train up a child in the way he should go. When he is old, he will not depart from it. That's a promise. And you can say, your children are not following what you're teaching them, but they are teaching what you taught them. They are, or they are following what you taught them. And if you're provoking them to wrath, as it's talking about here in the Bible, which is the opposite of bringing them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, okay? If you're provoking them to wrath, you need to understand you're teaching them to do the wrong thing in your actions, in how you provoke them to wrath. And so I want to show you tonight how I believe parents are provoking their children to wrath. Because I do think this is the main reason they failed to pass things down. And I, I was in one church for 23 years, so I've, see, I've seen a few things on this. I think I can speak from experience on this. And so, you know, here's the question you need to ask yourself right now. Why do you want your children to follow your instruction? Is it so they will be happy? You know, I mean, hopefully that, you know, I imagine that's what most people would say, but here's the thing. Why do you think your children following your instructions will make them happy? Okay? Now think about this. Do we not all want our children to be happy? Right? Isn't that why, isn't that why we raise our kids the way we do so they will be happy? Okay? Isn't that why we're trying to bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord so they will be happy? Well, here's the thing. If, we're, if we want them to be happy, isn't it going to help if we're happy ourselves? And you know what? We've got a lot of people today 
that are trying to raise their kids so they will be happy, and they're trying to do it by just you know checking off all these items on the list that parents are supposed to do. But you know what? These people are miserable people. They're not happy people. And because of that, they're provoking their children to wrath. Their children are angry. Their children are discouraged. And then they wonder why they're not doing the things that they ought to do. The Bible says in Colossians 3.21, He says, Fathers, provoke not your children to anger, lest they be discouraged. Well, discouraged from what? Discouraged from what you're trying to teach them to do. Once again, that provoking them to wrath it's the opposite of bringing them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And so, it, me, if, if, if I'm the plumber and I'm trying to teach one of you guys how to be a plumber and all I'm doing is just screaming at you every time you do something wrong, threatening to fire you every time you do something wrong, okay, but I'm not, I'm not teaching you, I'm not instructing you, I'm not... And you know, let's say too, I, you know, I've got this goal, I want Josh to be a great plumber like me. But yet, when Josh works with me every day, I'm just complaining about how much I hate my job. I'm always losing my temper and just, you know, cussing him out and just throwing things and talking about how horrible this job is. And then, all of a sudden, you know, Josh, he's like, you know, I don't want to be a plumber anymore. Why not? You know? And the thing is, as parents, we say we do the things we do because we want our kids to be happy, yet we're not happy ourselves. We're miserable, and then we get all upset when our kids don't want to continue living the way that we've lived. I think one of the biggest things parents do to provoke their children to wrath is they themselves are not happy people. And folks, you've got to be happy. I know it sounds like, don't we all want to be happy? People, I've never seen people fight anything harder than happiness. People fight happiness like it's a horrible thing, but it's a good thing. And the reason you fight happiness is because you're listening to the devil. You think the things of the world are going to make you happy. Instead of just believing God, knowing that His way will make you happy. So what are some things? Why are many home Christian homes not a happy place that Christian kids just want to escape from? You know, In the old IFB, they can't figure out why do we keep losing our kids? We, you know, we put them in a Christian school. We put them in church. You know, we do this for them. We give them that program. We have them in youth group. We're doing all these things, and yet our kids all just want to jump ship as soon as they turn 18 and graduate from high school. I'm going to tell you why they do that. I believe it's because these homes are miserable places. They're not. They are not happy places. We wonder why people don't want to follow after Christians and why we're not a good example. Why we're not a light? It's because we're miserable people. You know, if we were the happiest people like we should be, and we should be, folks, Jesus came that we might have life and we might have it more abundantly. But yet, for some reason, even saved, born-again people who have the Holy Spirit of God in them still manage to find ways to be miserable. And then we, and then we complain about losing our children. It's ridiculous. So why, is it? why are our homes not happy places? Turn over to Colossians, or, uh, 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. In verse 3, look what it says here. It says, For ye are manifestly declared to be the epistle of Christ ministered by us, written not with ink, but with the Spirit of the living God, not in tables of stone, but in fleshly tables of the heart. And such trust have we through Christ to Godward, not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything as of ourselves, but our sufficiency is of God, who also hath made us able ministers of the New Testament, not of the letter but of the Spirit. For the letter killeth, 
but the Spirit giveth life. But the ministration of death, written and engraven in stones, was glorious, so that the children of Israel could not steadfastly behold the face of Moses for the glory of his countenance, which glory was to be done away. How shall not the ministration of the Spirit be rather glorious? For the ministration of condemnation be glory, much more doth the ministration of righteousness exceed in glory. For even that which was made glorious hath no glory in this respect by reason of the glory that excelleth. What this is doing right here is comparing the Old Covenant with the New Covenant. It's comparing this Old Covenant that was a great thing, but you know what? This Old Covenant that was perfect, it killed us. Why? Because the letter killeth. What was it about it that killed us? It's the fact that we transgressed. It's the fact that when it comes to the law of the Old Testament, none of us can check everything off, can we? We've all messed something up. You know why? Because none of us are, are perfect. But thankfully, the Spirit, alright, this new covenant, the spiritual covenant, it's one that giveth life. We are all thrilled today by the fact that we can be saved even though we've messed up big time when it comes to keeping the law of God. Do we not rejoice in that? Does that not bring us joy? Does that not bring us peace in knowing that even though we've messed up greatly, we can still go to heaven and we, we joy in that greatly. Why? Because the letter killeth, but the Spirit giveth life. Thankfully, getting saved is not about checking things off in a box. Because we can't do it. And folks, when it comes to the right kind of parenting where you're actually going to bring your children up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, it's not about checking off a list of do's and don'ts. It's not. Many Christians today, they're trying to do the right thing out of obligation instead of from the heart. Okay? Now think about this. You know, the rules are good. Alright? The rules are the rules. Okay? They're right. The law of the Lord is perfect. Converting the soul. But let me ask you, why do you obey the commandments that you obey? As, as a believer, alright, as a saved Christian, are you obeying them because you have to? Or are you obeying them because you want to? Alright? Hopefully you're obeying them because you want to. Listen, we teach eternal security around here, alright? If you're saved, you believe in eternal security, you know you can't lose your salvation. So let me ask you, why aren't you out there living like the devil? Why aren't you out there getting all the things of the flesh? You know why? It's because you actually believe that the Word of God and God's way is better. Okay? You believe that in your heart. Otherwise, you wouldn't be here. You're in church tonight because you want to be here. You know you would still go to heaven if you didn't come to church here tonight. But you're here anyway because this is what you want. This is what you truly believe in. And so you have, you have that liberty. Well, let me ask you this. Why do you do the things that you do in your family? Why do you have the rules that you have in your family? Is it out of obligation or is it because you believe it's better? Is it because you believe it actually works? Why do you have the standards that you have? Is it because you just, you believe and you just want to, you know, as a man look like a man and as a woman look like a woman? You want to be pleasing to God? You want to practice modesty? Is it because it, you believe doing the right thing, it is actually going to make you happier and it is making you happier? Or are you just doing it out of obligation? Folks, that makes a difference right there. You know why these old IFB people are losing all their kids to the world? It's because you know why they dress the way they dress? It's because their kids are going to get kicked out of the school if they don't follow the dress code in the handbook. That's why. That's why they don't do, you know, that's why they don't do the things. It's not because they're convinced that that's better. It's because that's what they have to do. They're doing it out of obligation. They're doing it with a bitter attitude. 
They're doing it. They're miserable about it. They sit around at home complaining about all the rules in the church, complaining about all the rules in the school, and yet they're going along and doing these things. And then all of a sudden, their kids grow up. They're not in the school, Christian school anymore. And now, they're walking away from all of those things. And then you got pastors in the church. They can't figure out why. You know why? It's because these people... They're thinking, well, if I go to this church, if I put my kids in this Christian school, if I start following all these things in the handbook, all of a sudden I'm going to have good kids. Folks, the letter killeth, but the Spirit giveth life. And the thing is, I've heard these parents, they say, I did everything right. I did everything right. You know what they're saying? I checked everything off on the list. But you know what? They never really believed it in their heart. It wasn't really real to them. They were miserable the whole time doing it. And you know what they did? They just provoked their children to wrath. They're like me... You know, wondering why Josh quit being a plumber when all I did was just made him miserable the whole time. And I was miserable the whole time. And I wondered why he walked away from it. And we've got Christian parents today trying to follow a checklist, miserable the whole time, hating it the whole time, discouraging their kids, provoking them to wrath, and they wonder why they're not doing it. Folks, you better do these things because you actually believe it. If you don't really believe it, you know, don't come around here being fake about it, being a hypocrite. We don't need a bunch of hypocrites in the church. You know what you need to do? You need to figure out what's right and you need to start doing it because you actually believe it. And you need and and if you're doing it for the right reasons, you're going to enjoy it. And so, you know, raising our children said so it's we're not, we're not we're not just following a handbook, okay, folks? Now, yes, the Bible is is a guide. But we've got to We've got to mean it. We've got to actually believe it. We've got to be doing it for the right thing because at the end of the day, no parent ever follows all the rules. Okay? None of you in here are following all the rules. While you all might have all the right standards in your life, you might have all the right rules and the right philosophies, do we not all as parents just have those days where we mess up big time? Okay? Listen, have you ever heard these just whiners that are out there? They're usually in the internet world. I grew up in a Christian home and my mom made me wear skirts and we weren't allowed to be half naked at the beach and we weren't allowed and I was just so oppressed and it was so I never got to go to the movies with my friends. They're complaining. They're just they're just complaining and miserable about all this stuff and they're just a they're just a victim. And you know the, and that yet you'll have, but you'll have another kid who grew up with those exact same rules, and they're as happy as can be. You know, I remember when I started hearing some of these people that are victims out there today complaining about all their cult rules they had to follow in their Baptist church. You know, I was shocked when I found out that makes you miserable because it didn't make me miserable. You know, I had a very happy childhood, very happy teenage years. You know, that rule that my parents had that I wasn't allowed to date until I was old enough to get married... It made me actually enjoy my teenage years because I wasn't mixed up in drama and all that kind of stuff. You know, I ended up you know, marrying my first girlfriend that I didn't get until I was 19. Amen. You know, and it worked out great. And you know what? That's what we teach our kids. And you know, I, I we're doing. I, I just we practice that because I just believe it. You know, I'm just I'm convinced of it. And it, I was a happy kid. I was a happy teenager. And I'm a happy adult. Every stage of my life that I have ever been in, I keep liking it better and better. I, I like every stage better than the last one. I hear all these adults, oh, I wish I could go back to being a teenager back when all I had to do was school. Not me. Forget that. 
I don't want to go back to any of that. I, I like what I'm doing better now. I'm, I'm thrilled with what I'm doing. I like being married. I like having kids. I'm enjoying this. Every bit of it. And that's why I, I'm, I do things the way I do. I do it because I enjoy it. I believe in it. I discipline the way I do because I know it works. You know, my parents did it to me. And I'm going to do it to my kids. And it's not just about checking off the list because I can tell you, you know, I've messed up. You know? And we've, you know, I've heard people say before the reason they got the firstborn got the double portion in the Bible is because the firstborn's the one you made all your mistakes on. Right? You know, and, you know, and there's definitely stuff we can look back with our kids as like, yeah, we probably uh, should have done this a little different. We probably shouldn't have done that. And the truth is, so while you've got people like me that, you know, when I got in my 20s and I started hearing all these people on the internet talking about their oppressive rules, I'm sitting there thinking, I didn't think it was bad. I didn't think it was that bad. I didn't realize I was supposed to be that miserable because I wasn't, you know, I wasn't allowed to do these things. You know, while, and then you've got these other people that just, you know, hate it so much. You know, the difference is, you know, I was happy in my home. You know, I had a happy home. My parents really believed what they were doing and it worked. And so I believe it too. I wasn't doing it out of obligation. Because you know what? It wasn't about, it was, in my, in my family, it wasn't just about marking things off a checklist because you know what? I could look back if I wanted to. And I remember when I would hear some of this stuff, you know, and I hear about these people that complain about, you know, the IFB and stuff like that and all the rules that they have. I remember thinking, you know what? I do remember actually my parents doing stuff like that. I remember this happening in my Christian school. But you know what? While I could think of a whole bunch of mistakes my parents made, at the end of the day, they did a lot more right. And their basic philosophy was right. And it worked. And so the thing is, because the Spirit was good in our home, I don't really care about all the mistakes that they made. And you see what's happening in a lot of homes today. They're trying to mark, just desperately mark all these things off a checklist, but they have a horrible spirit in the home. And at the end of the day, you're going to fall short of checking everything off. Parents, you're going to mess up big time sometimes. But if the spirit's right, then that's, you're going to be more likely to pass it on to your kids and, and for them to do the next thing. But if you're, if you don't have the spirit right, you're just going to be provoking them to wrath. You're going to be discouraging them when you mess up because if provoke, not provoking your children to wrath is just never making them angry or never making mistakes. Are we not all in trouble? Folks, we're all in trouble because we're all going to make mistakes as parents. But if we have the spirit right, we can still succeed even though we mess up greatly, just like we can still go to heaven even though we mess up greatly. Why? Because we have the Spirit. We have the Spirit and on many people today, they've got the right rule book, but they don't have the Spirit in their home. And don't throw the rule book out because that's what's happening in a lot of these Christian homes that have the bad Spirit. The kids grow up and what do they do? They throw the rule book out. No, the rule book's great. Okay? The, is the law sin? God forbid. Okay? The Bible is good, but folks, if you don't have the Spirit, the law is not going to do you any good. And so, keep doing the right thing. Keep having the right rules and the right standards, but you have to have the Spirit or you're not going to pass anything on to the next generation. It's not just about crossing things off a list. 
You know, we've got we we should be doing the do's and the don'ts because we believe they work, because we're convinced of it. And so, like in a way, that I was I was thinking about to illustrate this too. Okay, you know, if I want my children to end up where I am, then I need to make sure the trip there is a good trip. Okay, for example, too. All right, we all take you know yesterday. Two times this week I've had to take that drive. I hate. I hate driving Interstate 88. All right? It's boring. And it's got expensive tolls. All right? But you know what? I will drive it, even though it's boring sometimes, because it gets me places quicker. It gets, it, I know it's going to get me where I want to go. You know, sometimes there's alternate routes you can take. When I go to Rockford, if I want to get to Rockford quick, I'm going to take 88 to 39. If I want to enjoy my trip to Rockford, I take Route 2, because it's a pretty drive. Okay? But, and so, you know, there, you know, there's a couple different routes. Not everything has to be the exact same. Well, with my children, okay, all right, if, for example, if, if I want my kids to do what I do when it comes to going to Rockford, okay, if I find a way to just make that trip miserable, you know, they're not going to want to go the way I go. If I'm always getting lost trying to take these back ways, they're not going to want to try taking those back ways. They're going to want to take, you know, they're going to want to take a different route. And you see what's happening Today, you got all these parents who are saying, I want my kids to get to this location like I did. But the problem is, the way you got there was just miserable and it was a nightmare. And so your kids don't want to do it. You know, another drive that our family hates, we hate, we hate the drive to Peoria. It is, that is even, that's the most boring drive we can do. Just, it's Route 40, all of it, and there's just nothing to see. But you know what? We go there every year and we go to the Festival of Lights. And we have to drive 40 to get there. And it's boring and it stinks, but you know what? We do it every year. You know why? Because we like the Festival of Lights. Now, why do we do that? The reason I take my kids to the Festival of Lights every year is because it's a good memory for me because my family went to the Festival of Lights every year when I was younger. And so I, li I like to continue doing that even though the road getting there, it's kind of tough sometimes. And you know what? If your children, if you could make some good memories, if you could make your family a happy place, even though it isn't easy, even though there's some rough roads sometimes, if, the, if you can make a good destination, your kids are going to say, you know what, yeah, this isn't always easy, this is tough sometimes, but you know what, I know where this ends and I want to get there. It's a good experience. And I'm afraid today the reason many kids don't want to have anything to do with what their parents are doing is because it's just been too, it's too nasty of an experience. You haven't given them a good destination. Make it good. Make it something that, you know, that they want. And so, you know, for another thing too, like to this day, I hate one, another drive I, I hate is the drive from LaSalle to Lincoln. Alright? And I, I, I think one of the reasons I hate that drive so much is one, it's boring. But when I was a kid, I hated that drive because my grandparents lived in Lincoln and I liked the destination. It was mostly the trip from Lincoln back to LaSalle I hated because one thing that was very, I mean, it was, a, it was a part of that trip. Whenever we got to our destination, I always got spanked every time, right? You know, it was two hour, almost two hours in the car, sitting in the back seat with my sisters. They were always messing with me and I would get in trouble and I, I mean... I would always get spanked. I've got one memory. We were on our way back. Typical thing. You guys getting spanked when you get home. And then I remember we got to the house and, it, it, and it, they had pronounced that judgment real early in the trip. And I remember we fell asleep. And I remember I woke up and I was like, I hope they forgot. 
And I remember we were going into the house and they were carrying my sister Christy in into the house. I'll never forget this. They're carrying her in the house. And I remember we go inside and they're, they're not saying anything. I didn't get the typical go to the couch, you know, wait for your spanking. I was like, they forgot about it. And all of a sudden, Christy kind of wakes up and the first thing she said, I don't want a spanking. And then they're like, oh yeah, that's right. And then we got spanked. Right. Never forget that. And... I'm, you know, and so, yeah, to this day, I don't know, it's like if I go to Lincoln, I just feel like I'm going to get spanked when I get there. I mean, it's just what, it's what always happened when I was younger. Uh, it was a miserable experience, and I, I hate driving there. And you know what? For many people today, where they're at right now, you know, their day-to-day life, it's a miserable thing. It's always one bad ordeal after another. It's always one fight after another. And you wonder what, you know, just, just don't be surprised when your kid's like, you know what, I'm not going to take these paths. I'm not going to do this type of thing. All my mom and dad do when they go to church is they just complain about you know how much they hate everybody in the church and just about how you know much better they are than everybody else in the church. Don't do that type of thing. All right, make it a pleasant experience. If you enjoy it, they'll enjoy it. That's just that's just the way it is. Kids, they they feed off the emotion that's in that's in the room. And when mom and dad's miserable, they're going to be miserable too. You've got to be happy. So make sure that that is the price. You know, be happy. You've got to be doing the right thing out of obligation, uh, and, uh, and instead of from out of obligation, you need to be doing it from the heart. Look at turn over to Matthew chapter twenty-three. Turn over to Matthew twenty-three. Another thing that people often do, parents often do, to provoke their children to wrath is. Uh, you know, they do the good things to please others instead of doing them for their children. There's a lot of people today, the rules that they're following, these rules are to impress those around them. Matthew 23, verse 1 says, Then spake Jesus to the multitude and to His disciples, saying, The scribes and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. All therefore, whatsoever they bid you observe, that observe and do. But do not ye after their work's sake, for they say and do not. For they bind heavy burdens and grievous to be borne and lay them on men's shoulders, but they themselves will not move them with one of their fingers. But all their works they do for to be seen of men, they make broad their phylacteries and enlarge the borders of their garments. And goes on to talk about they love the uppermost rooms and all that. But look, notice what he mentions here. He's saying these things that they are telling you to do are right and you should do them. But don't actually do after their works. These people are hypocrites. And many of the things that Christian parents are teaching their children to do are right. Doing those things would make them happy. But guess what? The parent, it's not making the parents happy because they're not, they're not doing them themselves. They're not being happy themselves. And then, when it comes to the things that they actually are doing that are right, they're just doing it to be seen of men. They're doing it because they want the praise of men. Well, I want my kids looking right so people will respect me. I want my kids behaving well so people will think I'm a good parent. You know, one of the things we say in our house all the time whenever we're going over to somebody's house or something visiting was like, all right, kids, be good. We want people to think we're a good family. You know, I say that all the time and, you know, and I'm just being funny. I say that here at church all the time. You know, hey, folks, we got visitors coming. Make sure you're nice to them so people think we're a friendly church, you know. And, and, I, and I, I say that same kind of stuff with my kids all the time. But, and, and I'm, I'm joking when I say that, but you know what? In reality, a lot of times, that is our motivation. Kids behave so we look good. Kids dress this way so we look good. Why don't we tell them to do these things just because it's the right thing to do and it will make them happy? 
That should be the motivation. When we just teach our kids do these things so we're going to look good, you're sending a message just teaching your kids to be a hypocrite. And that's the last thing that you want to do. We once again we're teaching these things because it's best, and so we can, you know that we can do good things and we can do them for the wrong reasons. And when we do, it's only going it's only going to hurt things. And good works are still good works. They should be done. Yes, your kids should behave. They ought to do all these things right. But it's unlikely to be passed down if they're doing it for the wrong reasons. You're only provoking them to wrath. And then when they're getting in trouble for doing something only because they did it in front of the person that you're trying to impress, and then you go home and you beat the fire out of them for it. Okay, and listen, you know, if your kid is, you know, in a restaurant, you know, being disgusting and, you know, belching and passing gas at the table or something like that, yeah, if you want to take them home and spank them because of that, go right ahead. But you know what? I hope you do it if they're doing that at home too. You know? Don't just spank them for doing bad things in public. Because now you're, you know, all you're teaching them is it's bad to make us look bad. Instead of it's bad to, you know, act like an animal. Alright? You know, that, you're sending a wrong message. You're provoking them to wrath. You're discouraging, you're discouraging them by those things. And so, many people, they are, they're more concerned with people thinking they're a good parent than actually being a good parent. You know, really, the people that you need, that you should be trying more than anyone else to convince your good parent is your children. They are the ones that you got, if you want to convince somebody you're a good parent, alright, let it be your kids. Okay? Now, there's two good reasons for that. One, because if they think you're a good parent, you know, they're probably going to want to be a good parent too. And so if they're, if my parents were good, you know, and I want to be a good parent, I probably better do things the way my parents did it. See what I'm saying? That that's going to help you. That's going to help you actually pass it down. You know, so that's one reason that you want to try to teach them, or you know, you want to convince them uh, that you are a good parent. But two, another reason is because they're the ones that are actually being affected by how you parent. They're the ones that are act. You know, they are the product that you're trying to produce. They are the ones that you need to be convincing that you're a good parent and Guess what? Since they are your children, you are their parents, you're probably not going to be able to convince them you're a good parent unless you actually are a good parent. They're going to be able to see the real thing. They're going to be able to see through stuff. And no kid expects a perfect parent. You're going to mess up. You're not going to be able to mark some things off the checklist. Yep, I never, you know, I, I never completely lost my temper on my kid. You know? You're probably not going to be able to check that off. But once again, if you have the spirit right, you can get away with some pretty good mistakes. And so and there's many pastors today who do what they do with their family out of obligation instead of out of conviction. Look what it says in 1 Timothy 3, 4. Now, this is something that's just kind of a pet peeve of mine too that I, I see a lot of this, especially with young preachers and guys wanting to be pastors and stuff. This just this irritates me, alright? Now look, this is in the requirement for a bishop. It says, "...one that ruleth well his own house, having his children in subjection with all gravity." For if a man know not how to rule his own house, how shall he take care of the church of God? Okay? Now, you know why a lot of people are trying to have their children in subjection with all gravity? So they can be qualified for the ministry. You know why a lot of guys want to get a wife and get their two kids? So they can be qualified for the ministry. Hey, how about you get a wife and have kids? Because that's just what people are supposed to do. 
How about you raise them right? How about you get them in subjection? Because that's how you have a good family. Because that's what God commands for everybody. Why don't you raise that kind of a family just because your kids will be happier if you have them in subjection with all gravity. Your family will function properly if you have them in subjection with all gravity. Don't just do these things so you can check something off a list. Once again, the letter killeth. Alright, but the Spirit giveth life. And you know what? Where, where I came from, the crowd that I, I came from, they didn't make a big deal about all the requirements of a bishop and having children and things like that. But did you know what? It just so happens, I was not told, I was never told I could not be ordained until I had two kids and all that, or married and had, I, I wasn't told that. Alright? That wasn't something that was even pushed and done in the circles that I came from. But did you know that when I was ordained, I was married and I had two kids? And I, I, it, just, it just happened to be that way. I, had, I was married because I wanted to get married. You know, I had uh, two children that, you know, just because we wanted to have kids. That's just what people do. You know, you know why? Because I, was, I wasn't shooting for marking off check marks so I could be qualified for the ministry. You know what I was doing? I was shooting for having a good family. That's what I was shooting for. And there's a lot of guys out there that are trying to get all these things so they could be qualified for the ministry. That's not why we do these things. That's not why that you know I dress the way I dress and my wife dresses the way she dresses. We do these things because we actually believe them. And so that's why you see guys often that they're following all the rules, they're doing all the things, but then you know maybe they get mad at this fellowship of preacher and they join another one, and now they're doing everything completely different. Why are they doing everything completely different now? You know why? Because they were never doing those things because they believed they were right. They were doing it to be seen of men and to impress everybody else. And that's not what it's supposed to be about. You need to be doing these things because it's the right thing to do. No one should get a wife and children who are submissive so they can be qualified for the ministry. You do it because it's just the right thing to do. You do it because you'll be happy. The qual- and so, uh, turn over to Titus chapter 1, verse 6. Titus 1, 6. So notice what it says here. And this is also in the requirement for the bishop. This is, this is the last thing that I want to mention. It, said, it says, If any be blameless the husband of one wife, having faithful children, not accused of riot or unruly. Notice what it mentions about having faithful children. Okay? Having faithful children, not accused of riot or unruly. Being faithful means you've actually got a track record of something. You've actually done something for a while. You've actually accomplished something long term. You're not going to have faithful children if you're inconsistent. And this is this is the third thing that is just provoking children to wrath is no consistency. You've got to have consistency. You can't be changing the rules all the time. Alright, well, you know what? We're going we're gonna to get involved in the new IFB group, so we're going to follow this rule, this rule, this rule, this rule, this rule, and the next time you're, oh, I'm going to go to the old IFB group, and then you're following this rule, this rule, this rule, this rule, and then oh, I'm going to join the Methodist group, and then you know, just change it all the time. Your kid's going to be like, why are we even doing it? Do we only do things to impress the church that we're in? You have people that go into church, they start dressing a certain way because everybody does in the church, and then they move, they go to another church somewhere else, and then they start dressing like that church. And then you wonder why your kids grow up and all of a sudden, all the rules go out the window. They're doing something completely different because you never, you never brought them up in the nurture and admonition. You never gave them an actual instruction that would make it stick because 
they don't know what works because you tried too many different things. You didn't have any consistency. They're just frustrated. And you know what they want to do? Now that I'm 20, now that I'm an adult, now that I'm on my own for the first time in my life, I'm going to do what I want to do. And you know what? You, that's what they're going to do. Folks, whether you like it or not, no matter what, your children are going to grow up and they are going to do whatever they want to do. So you know what that means? You better make them want to do what you're doing. How are they going to do that if they're living in a war zone? How are they going to do that if they're miserable? You've got to make them happy. They're going to do what they want to do. And folks, I'm, I'm convinced that you know my way is the best. I'm convinced that my way may, will make them happy. And so, I need to actually be happy. And, and you can't fake happiness at home. You might be able to fake happiness in church. You know, it's you know, it, it's it's. I would think it'd be challenging, but some people have pulled it off. That you know, they know how to be happy on Sundays. You know, they can be happy that few hours of a week when they're around other Christians, but then they go home and they're just insane. All right, you're not going to pass anything down to your kids if you do that. If you're if you're not happy, your kids know it. Your whole family knows that if you're not happy. And you need to actually be happy. That way your kids want to do what you do. And so you better make sure it's real. Most, most parents never give their children a chance to be faithful because they never stick to anything. Their kids get frustrated. You know, if I'm, if I'm, if I'm trying to guide Josh, alright, Josh, I'm going to help you get that career. I'm going to make you a plumber. And I got him working. He's finally making some progress. I'm like, you know what? You stink at this. Let's try something else. Let's try electricity. And then I get him in electricity, and we're doing that for a while. Ah, you know what? You stink at this. You know, let's go into mechanics. You know, and I'm just constantly switching him on stuff. He's just gonna be like, you know what? I stink at everything, and I give up on life. He's just gonna, he's just gonna want to quit, and that's what's happening. I'm just gonna do what I want to do. I'm gonna go make a living playing video games and streaming it on what's that called? Twitch. Twitch. I'm gonna stream it on Twitch and make thousands of dollars. People make a lot of money. I don't know how that works. You know, I used to make fun of these people. You know, they think you know, you know they'll they think they're going to grow up and make money playing video games. Some people figured out how to do that. I I don't know I don't know how that happened. I thought I was being funny when I would talk about that kind of stuff. I knew I knew a young kid. His dad was all disappointed when he paid for him to go to college. He had to because it was like a divorce situation. He paid for him to go to college, and he went to college to learn how to make video games. And then he failed at it too. He would rather play the video games than actually make the video games, I guess. And you know, you've got to be have some consistency so they can have a chance to be faithful, so they could figure out that hey, this way's better. It works. You know, you need to remember too, your children, they really belong to God. And if you want to hang on to them, you better raise them God's way. I like what Job said when Job lost his children, he said, The Lord gave, the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Job is just thankful God gave him the children for the time he had them. And God ended up giving him more children. 1 Corinthians 4 1 says, Let a man so account of us as the ministers of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. Now, this is talking specifically about the mysteries of God and about the things of the Word of God. But you know what? It's required in stewards that a man be found faithful. And a steward is somebody who is handling or taking care of something that belongs to someone else. 
And the children that God has given us, we need to understand they belong to Him. They are, they are His. And if I want to be good stewards of it, that means since they are not mine, I need to follow the instructions of those they actually belong to. And that's God. Just like if I give you something of mine, and I say, you can use this, but you need to follow these rules, you better follow those rules because you're just a steward now. You're benefiting from it. You may find letting you be a steward of my car. You're getting to use that car. If I tell you you can use my car, just I need you to make sure you, you know, keep the oil changed on it, you know, keep it clean, take you know, take care of any problems, but you know, you, you don't owe me any money. You just need to take care of it. You know, don't drive like a maniac, don't be reckless with it. Just do, you know, take care of maintenance, and then you can use it and enjoy it all you want. But then if, and then if you go and you take that and you're driving like a maniac, you're never changing the oil on it, and you're just you're letting it fall apart, not doing any of the maintenance on it, you're a bad steward. And you know what? God has given us children. We ought, we ought to see ourselves as stewards of them. And you know what? God has given us instructions that we ought to follow with them. We have been commanded not to provoke them to wrath, but to bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. God loves our children. He wants our children to be happy. He knows what will make them happy. And He has put us in charge of making that work. And so, we better do it. We better get serious about it. Understanding that, you know what? We can have the greatest list of rules on the wall in our house that have ever existed. We can have the most strict rules of any family. Some people are like, I just need to be more strict. Well, sometimes people need to be more strict, but you know what? Sometimes you just need to get the spirit right in your house. Because no matter how good of a list of rules you have hanging on your wall, you're going to mess up on some of those. And that's going to... And, and the messing up isn't what's going to provoke them to wrath. It's not having the spirit. The letter killeth but the Spirit giveth life. And you, you've only got one chance to raise your kids and you need, we need to do a better job of passing down these good things to the next generation. And I, can, I believe it will be done if we're not provoking them to wrath. If we're not discouraging them by making it difficult with all these things we talked about, we have a wonderful thing having children. And, and folks, this, this principle, it applies in so many things. All right? As a pastor... You know, if I want you all to keep coming to this church, you know, I need to convince you that our doctrine is the best doctrine. I've got to convince you of that. I've got, to, I've got to prove it from the Scriptures. I can't just go throwing curses out like the old IFB. You better not leave this church or the curse of God is going to come down on you. All your kids are going to die and you're going to be eaten of worms and your bowels are going to fall out and you know, all these horrible judgments that happen to people in the Bible. You know, now that's if if I do that and I convince you of that, you're all going to be miserable coming to this church. You know, we we can't leave, or our bowels are going to fall out if we do. You know, something like that. You know, you're going to be miserable, and then you're not going to pass anything down to the next generation. It and thing is, if I'm preaching the truth, if I'm right on, on my doctrine, then you know I shouldn't have to do any of those things. I shouldn't have to use those tactics. I should be able to get up and say, "Thus saith the Lord." Here's where it says in the Bible. And then, if you don't like it, if you just want to reject it, then well, then you shouldn't even be here in the first place. And so, this this principle it uh, it applies across the board, and we need to we need to get serious about it, especially with our families. And so, let's pray, dear Lord. Thank you so much for your word, Lord. Thank you for uh, the children that uh, you've given us, and you bless us with, and I pray you'll help us as uh, parents to be 
are the right kind of parents. We will not provoke them to wrath, but we will bring them up in the nurture and admonition as You taught us in Your Word. We just pray we'll pass these things on to the next generation. In Your name we pray. Amen.